Hey everybody, this is Keith Rainwater with Designated Drummer, and on the podcast this week I have somebody that I absolutely love and that I've known for a long time and that I absolutely adore, and the very first female I've ever had on my podcast, Jamie O'Neill. Yay! How's it I going? I love that. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, I have been, I've wanted to have you on here, and I know we've talked about it for a long time and tried to plan it and all that stuff, yeah. but um, I appreciate you coming down here to the infamous band cave where of course. it's so noisy here. We got Dean in the other room writing a song with some other hit songwriters, so you'll probably hear some music going on. There's a train that just went by two minutes ago and traffic outside so i apologize for all the noises but you know well it's hopefully. nashville i mean there's not many places that you can go that's quiet these days that's right maybe the nashville library but then that's you gotta true. be quiet that's in there true. They don't and like then that's just like no that makes me nervous <laughs> i don't like it too quiet I don't, everybody's listening right yeah so anyway well good to have you here and Thanks. um uh, now a, a lot some people may know this and some people may not but you're from australia yeah, I was actually born in Australia. Um, my mom's Australian, my dad's from New Zealand, but I left when I was like two. So I always call it the opposite to say someone like Nicole Kidman who was born in America, taken over to Australia and raised over there. It was the same for me, but I was born there and brought over to America and raised over here. So oh, cool. it does get confusing, I so know. So that's why you don't talk like that right there. You yeah, know, love, no. I don't have mate. much of an accent. No. <laughs> I bet you could fake it, though, if you wanted to. I can. I can. If I get on the phone to my grandmother or something, you know, and I talk to her for too long, I can definitely do a pretty good impression. But you don't accidentally start talking with no. an Australian accent to no. her? No. It, it's always on purpose. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a refresher course of how to yeah, talk Australian. Exactly. Um, I remember when we were touring with you guys back in 2002, I guess. 2002 I know. Or something. Gosh. Um, your drummer had given me some Australian slang to to use, and I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, Luke and, Mason? I'll bet. He probably gave you a bunch of cuss words or something. He did, yeah. <laughs> but uh, And I don't even know how to remember most of the stuff he told me, but at the time I was like, oh, wow. That's, yeah. Really? That, they got, say that? They've got a lot of different words over there, and they do the rhyming slang for a lot of things. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That means like something that sounds like something else that you. Yes, they call Yanks septic tanks. Oh, so they'll just. It, that's just their sense of humor, but it's like anyone from America is a Yank to them. Yank. You know what I mean? Yank. Um, short for Yankees. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll just have to look it up. There's a lot of rhyming slang for pretty much anything. Yeah. So when you, you were, what, two years old when you left Australia? Mm-hmm. And so where did you guys move to? Was it, was it you said New Zealand for a while? First, we lived in Hawaii. Um, my sister was born in Hawaii, and we lived in Honolulu waiting for our green cards. Um, my parents were performers as well. So we waited there. We got our green cards, and we finally came to the States and— Followed the path of, you know, the American dream, as they say. You were say, probably to too young to remember is. Australia, right? I, I'm sorry, At not Australia, point, but I'm sorry, Hawaii, I meant to say. I mean, no, there's certain things I remember about it because I was there from like the age of two all the way to six. Yeah. So there's certain things I do remember about, like, but I'll see photos. Like, I guess I ran into Elvis Presley when I was a little kid and like ran around the corner from my grandfather and... Elvis was sitting there having lunch on the patio. Of course, I don't know who he is, but <laughs> I just decided to sit down and have lunch with him myself. And my grandfather <laughs> came around the corner, and there I was sitting with Elvis. That's always a big story that my, oh my dad gosh. likes to tell. And so I do remember certain things, like I never wore shoes. You just, you know, not you had lunch you with did. Elvis Presley. I had lunch with Elvis. Yeah. I don't. I need to put that. I in don't my know bio. anybody that can say that. That can actually say that. You know? <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I wish I remembered it. I really do. Wow. 
Um, so, and you guys, when you went, when you came to the states, you got your green cards finally. Where did you settle? Or what area? We actually didn't have a home. We were nomads for a very <sighs> long time because my parents were performers, and so. We just, wherever the gig was, we were kind of like carnies in a way. Um, <laughs> we would go where the gig was, and then when the fair closed down, and we'd stay at a KOA campground, and we'd wait for the next fair. And wow. we did a lot of fairs, like the Michigan State Fair, you know, the Minnesota State Fair, the, all the fairs, the Big E, you know, in the East Coast. And um, we had an RV with our names painted on the side, you know, wow. like a miniature bus, I guess, kind of thing. And Oh, as a kid, wow. I just thought we were big time. You know what I mean? Because we played yeah. four shows a day. We would four do an, an hour show, an hour off, an hour show, an hour off. And in that time off, my sister and I would ride the rides and eat fair food. And, I, you know, so I've been Pet living the, the life since and I was the, a kid. And yeah. Petting zoo. How yeah. old were you when, um, was it from just as long as you can remember? Or did you hit a certain age, like five or six or whenever you could be on stage? No, I started when I was like eight around eight or nine in McAllen, Texas. And then until my parents got divorced, I t we toured as a family act all the way up till I was like, I don't know, 15 or something. And uh, you were singing, you, you would mm -hmm. sing harmony or something? Singing, with... I sang lead. You sang lead? We did, you know, Pop Goes the Country with Ralph Emery and <laughs> the Bob Braun show and Mike Douglas show. And um, yeah, we did a lot of opening slots for Everyone from Dolly Parton to Crystal Gale, the Gatlins, the Oak Ridge Boys. I mean, I've known the Oak Ridge Boys since I was a kid. And I've, I'll see them at the Opry, wow. and it's like, I mean, they're just as nice were as they any of were. these shows you're talking about, the TV stuff, was any, is any of that still on, like, YouTube or something? Like, any clips from old days? I don't know if it's on YouTube. I mean, I have all the old VHS tapes of those and everything. You should totally put them on YouTube. That would be so yeah, great. Yeah, I need to tell my dad oh my to God. do that. We this do was me that. when I was at nine years old. Yeah, and my dad <laughs> and my aunt were on bandstand, um, like Australian bandstand okay. a lot and performing on these different, you know, kind of Lawrence Welk TV shows. So all of that stuff's on YouTube. I do like to look at those old shows. Wow. And you were just a pup. You were so tiny. Yeah. Singing. I mean, I just feel like I've been doing it forever, which I basically yeah. have my whole life, you know. So there never was like that epiphany for you that, hey, I could do this for a living. You kind of always did it. That's all you remember. Yeah, it's all I've right? ever known. I mean, I think there was that moment, though, where I could have stayed in L.A. and taken a day job and really tried to get something going for myself in maybe, you know, publishing or writing songs, but not a working singer yeah and I had the opportunity of staying in LA and doing that or going back to Australia and like really getting in with these um, musicians and getting on the Kylie Minogue tour and I ended up choosing that that path I was like I'm gonna go where I can work as a singer and it kind of like you know someone was asking me this the other day they said did your musical path go as planned and I said you know I never really had a plan I feel like music was my path but that path was unknown, and I just followed it wherever it went. It was a lot like of gravity. And turns. It just kind of just kept. Yeah, I, I feel like you know I fell into things, and yeah. I was just like, oh, I'm going to go over here now. Oh, I'm going to go over here now, and like because music made me so happy, it didn't matter if I was singing in a cover band five nights a week or doing jingles on, you know, after whatever during the day, um, wow. or over here I would tour with, you know, like I said, Kylie. As long as I was making music and creating music and, and doing what I wanted to do, I was happy. And I didn't, I've never done anything else. That is know, amazing. So, That's yeah. cool. And somehow it led you to Mercury Records in Nashville where you got your record deal. Yeah, and I mean, now that thing wasn't really a 
you know, falling out of the sky thing. That was my mom kept sending my demo tapes to Larry McFadden, and Larry used to work with Mel Tillis, and Larry was best friends with Harold Shedd. And so he kept hearing these demos, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to give her a chance, Harold Shedd, and he brought me to America, back to America in 96, and offered me a publishing deal. And so that was like three months, he said, I'll give you like a 90-day deal to kind of prove yourself as a writer. And I right. wrote every day, sometimes twice a day, with different writers. And then they picked up my option. So that was, that was when I really got serious about it. I came here in 96. From then on, I've been here, you know, focused yeah. completely on, on the artistry side when of it. When you got to Nashville, the, the songwriting thing, was that a different experience for you? Uh, like a procedure of like how you sit down with writers? Oh, and I know yeah. there's kind of a Nashville way. Absolutely. I don't I can't explain it. It's kind of a way you sort of fumble through a song. Mm-hmm. Somebody has kind of an idea and you throw out some things that kind of sound like you're singing. But in other places, somebody is the sole writer and they may get with somebody else and mm-hmm. get their opinion or something. But Nashville has its own way. Right. Yeah, and it has its own time frame, and I don't know if it still works the way it used to work, you know, back, like I said, in 96 when I got here, but I would write literally at 10, 10.30 in the morning, and then sometimes do another write at 2.30 with someone else, and, you know, you knew what your week looked like, and I yeah. think they still pretty much do that, and I've never really been the kind of person that likes to write at night. Yeah. I feel like I do better when I know I have an appointment. I show up with ideas. I work on melodies over the weekend, um, titles and things like that, and then take them into my appointments. And I think it's kind of cool because I've worked with, obviously, younger people who mentor, whatever word you want to use, where you explain to them how it works, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, I had no idea. But it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it really is a formula and a business. Right. You know, it's not just kind of like, I imagine someone say like Eric Clapton or something, he probably just writes whenever he feels like it, you know, and doesn't stick to any kind of schedule. But in Nashville, they're very schedule oriented. Yeah. It's know? not like a mood, like, what do they say? Well, when the mood strikes, yeah. I'll, uh, when I get inspiration, when, I'm, right. when I feel inspired, well, forget that. It's yeah. a job. You have to come in every day. It's finding the inspiration, yeah. which I think is actually really cool. I think the the idea of thinking like a writer is always looking for ideas and listening for ideas and if you tune into that part of your brain and you're thinking about that whether it's you know like for me the new thing the new bumper stickers is are memes a lot of memes that are on instagram like i got an idea for my my last album in 2020 had a song called someone sometimes on it and the meme was don't be someone sometimes oh and i was like that's cool because you know especially as a mom it's like you you give someone that advice you know don't make excuses for why someone maybe can't see you all the time or doesn't want to be around you all the time or you know lets too much go in between yeah too much time but you're always making excuses for oh well you know they 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 forgot about our date because such and such happened or their their mom's in town so they can't see me you know so being someone's, you know, part-time love, I would say, yeah. um, you know, don't be someone sometimes. And that's what yeah. the song is about. That's it's, cool. So, it, you know, Instagram can be really cool for things like that. Memes yeah. and sayings, magazines. I still read magazines, get ideas, headlines, wow. ideas when you read articles. Hey, that would be cool for a song. Um, or going into a bookstore and being inspired by something in the bookstore, you know. Wow. 
I'll get ideas sometimes. I, my daughter lives in Canada, and I'll make these 12-hour drives, you know, before the oh pandemic, before gosh. yeah, before COVID, I was doing it twice a month. I had an apartment up there, and I would go. Anytime we were off, I would head north, and uh, I would get ideas. They would just pop into my head. I would just think about something, or someone would say something in a podcast, or a, I'd be, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. Someone would say some words, not in a song or anything, but they would say some words in it when I go, <gasps> I, that could be a song, you know. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Do you do that sometimes? Oh, yeah, and I do think driving is the time that that happens a lot if you keep the radio off. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah because you're captivated, you're sitting there, nothing else to do, and your brain is going and <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. And I, I'll sometimes I'll be driving and I get kind of tired, so I'll do a five-hour energy, and that does something to my brain mm. that is not just keeps me awake, but it also puts me in a good mood, and it also – there's – like B vitamins in there or something. I don't know what. Oh, it makes is my that, brain. Is it an energy drink? Yeah, or, the five-hour energy drink. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, okay. they do something. They have like these all these antioxidants and a little bit of caffeine, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's got B vitamins and some of these other things that just do something different to my brain. The channels in my brain more than mm. like coffee or something That's else. Interesting. It makes me puts me in a good mood, yeah. and it gives me ideas. I came up with an idea for a song we wrote. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the name of the song. Uh, it was about sort of dating. Um, oh, so I, I called Richie one day and I said, um, I said, have you ever, is it, you ever heard of a song like I want a heart that I, I, I want a love that I can sink my heart into instead of sink my teeth into? Yeah. Kind of like sink my teeth into, but sink my heart into. Yeah. And he goes, hey, that's a great idea. So we didn't do anything with it for a long time. But then one day Richie was riding with some, the guys, you know, they were going to, I was up in Canada, of course, and they were riding and Richie called me on the phone and he said, hey, what do you think of this? And he puts the phone down, started singing. I want a love that I can sink my heart into. And they, they had yeah. sat down, took my idea. And so I was sort of co-writer by coming yeah. up with the title. That's cool. So I That's just get really little cool. ideas like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I am not by no means like a pro songwriter or like a avid songwriter or anything. If the mood, I mean, it's not a mood, but if an idea strikes me every once in a yeah. while, I'll throw it out there. You know? No, I'm with you. I mean, I think also depending on different phases of our lives, um, if I'm really working to finish an album and I need a song, I'll devote days to writing and make those appointments. But sometimes I like to take a break from writing so I can come back fresh. Yeah, because right. if you just load yourself up with a bunch of appointments, especially as busy as our lives are with traveling and kids and everything, it becomes overwhelming. And then you don't feel like you're really giving it your all and you can be as good as you could be if you have some, you know, fresh perspective. Yeah, right. Now, so you, you've been a professional all of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. all of it that you can remember since a kid, mm-hmm. all the way there never was a there never was a time where you were sort of an amateur and you wanted to go pro. You were always sort of on stage making your living at that. But mm-hmm. when you see other people that aren't that that are that need some lessons to learn, what do you think when you see that? Do you do you kind of do you kind of judge? Do you kind of go, oh, they need to do this or they need to do that? Because you've been a pro all your life. I mean, yeah, I guess so. And there's certain things where I think, oh, I can tell that person hasn't had a lot of experience. Or, I mean, some people don't even know really how to hold a microphone or they uh, they do, they don't have any mic technique, technique or right. they don't know what to do during, say, a solo. They're not sure what to do with themselves when the band yeah. plays a solo or they don't know, you know, where to walk or where to look or, you know, just breathing and things like that. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, breathing really matters. It does. When yeah. you're singing. And what to do you with your hands. Your, like, where you take your breath in yeah. a song, you know. Yeah. All those kinds of things, I think, come with experience. And I can definitely hear that. And I try to help people if they ask me. But 
At the same time, um, you know, besides my dad that really had a big influence on me, I don't know that anybody, I don't think of myself as really having a mentor that helped me. I think you find your own way the more you do it. Right. You know, you just need experience. And, and it's tough because people will say, well, where can I play? Or how do I get an agent? Or how do I get a manager? And I'm like, I don't know how to answer that. So here's a question um, that it just hit my mind. What was sort of dating like when you were going through puberty and you were like becoming a young woman you're <laughs> traveling around there what, really you just, wasn't you, any dating every day you meet new people and there's this never any kind of steady no what, what, that on must the have road been like. i never dated I, I mean my first boyfriend was like when i was you know any anything serious was when i was like 21 wow yeah because you just can't but i i i don't think i didn't have a typical upbringing where I was at the same high school mm-hmm. or, you know, sitting there with people I'd known since kindergarten and wondering why I didn't have a boyfriend. I was way too busy to worry about that. I was wondering when I was going to get on the road again. I just yeah. wanted to get out there. I wanted to sing. I wanted to get a record deal. I was in a hurry. I was mm-hmm. really in a hurry. I was like, where is wanna, this record deal? Why isn't it happening yet? Mm-hmm. And so you were homeschooled, I guess, right for, through all of that? Yeah, homeschooled. And I mean, I do think that a lot of that stuff, especially when you're young, is a huge distraction on young people. They're very distracted by love and they're very, they get obsessed with their boyfriend. And I see when that happens, I think it's not, you're not going to be able to make a career. Yeah. Uh, you can't focus. Like it's Taylor, when Taylor Swift said, you know, it's like chasing two rabbits. Um, when she was talking about pop music and country music, I think it's the same thing when you're in a really serious relationship and maybe the person is controlling of your time or your mind or your focus is so on them and, oh, I can't do this because I've got such and such social plans. That doesn't work. And right now we're in a, you know, genre or whatever of do-it-yourself so much that like for me you are our era of getting record deals you when we signed somebody did our website somebody did this somebody did that that's no longer you know even even nowadays i think when you get a record deal i don't know that that someone is doing all of the things for you that they used to do with us you know like getting you a bus and tour support and all that kind of thing that came with it you know that like Carolyn Don Johnson was saying last night, she's like, we didn't know how good we had it, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, right. It's true. It's pretty spectacular. It's a totally different a deal. deal now. It's all about streams and about mm-hmm. uh, like followers and that kind of thing. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know how to go about getting a record deal. Yeah. If there are any record deals to be had, which I'm well, sure the thing some, is, but. Yeah, there are still a lot of people getting signed to deals um, and publishing deals and record deals, but a lot of them have those numbers on TikTok, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's never been easier for labels to find talented people. Right. And it's never yeah. been harder to get a deal because there's so much to so choose much from. So much out there. So much talent. Yeah. And I think the more you can verse yourself in TikTok and socials um, and constant content and you're always working on being creative but authentic, not yeah. something that – because the fans know. They know if you're not being authentic. They know if you're being fake or – if you're being surfacey or, or whatever, trying to sound like know. somebody else or something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I think that's why Priscilla Block really connected so well. She's so real, mm-hmm. and she's just like unapolo- unapologetically herself, which 
appeals to everybody. That's yeah. what we want in a person is like that human interaction with someone that like, yes, yes, yes. They're real. That's like I can identify with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. That's the cool thing about music in general is is the factor of the fans identifying with the with the artist as a real person mm-hmm. and it comes through their songs and it's, I think it's amazing how many people especially back in the day when you would have songwriters pitch songs to artists like George Strait or somebody who doesn't write right. and then the the audience think that they wrote that song yeah. and they think that they wrote it about it as an experience and the, just the naivete of the audience I guess you know mm-hmm. but I think it's now they're starting to understand that a little bit more I think you know the audiences are starting to get a little bit more because of YouTube and things like that Yeah, trying to get a little more wisdom and they kind of know how things work a little bit more i think i mean i think so i mean yeah there's still the cases of artists not performing everything they wrote not recording everything that they wrote i mean like morgan wallen has a song out right now called don't think jesus and it's his story you know um but he didn't write it i think they wrote it for him you know yeah um but it, it really back in again the day when the days when they would find songs for the artists. Yeah. I mean, how lucky were the artists in a way? You know, it's like, okay, you've got the goods. You're great. You've got a fan base. Now we'll find you every, you know, the best cream of the crop songs yeah. in this town that these songwriters can write. And that just doesn't happen anymore. I think most of the time the writers are writing with the artist mm-hmm. and that's how they're getting the cut. Yeah. And um, even if, artists aren't used to writing they quickly learn because you sit in a room with those a drawer writers you know long enough and you're gonna soak it in and learn and say ah i know now i know exactly what they're doing like playing with a better golfer like a yeah golfer exactly you know you play with a better golfer you become a better golfer I can see that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, raising, uh, sorry, raising Arizona. I was going to say, uh, um, there is no Arizona. <laughs> that That's my favorite before. movie. I don't know why yeah, it popped right. in my head. Um, that song, you wrote that, you co-wrote that song or mm-hmm. wrote the song? That co-wrote was your it, yeah. number, that was your first release, is that right? Or was it yep, Angels? first release. No, uh, Arizona. Arizona, yeah. yeah. And so that was a huge song. That was right out of the gate. I mean, your mm-hmm. first release. Mm-hmm. ever and it just like exploded and you're it's sort of known that, for that now yeah i mean it came out in august though and it didn't make it to number one until like march of you know or february i think it was of the following year so everyone's like Ex- it exploded yeah but it felt like Slowly. a long long <laughs> six months to me I'll it was like a that. slow volcano that yeah. just like you know smoldered for a while but that's good in a way from a songwriter standpoint because it, it accumulates all those spins mm-hmm. which are Play, who, those who don't know are plays on the radio that uh, every time that spin a song, it counts and you get paid for it and you keep getting paid. And, and the more spins you get, the more it moves its way up toward number one, which in which case is the most played song in the country for R&R and, you know, those state, those R&R and Billboard, Billboard yeah. you know, and, uh, and then, it, then, of course, once it's reached number one and it's coming down, that still gets spin recurrent mm-hmm. spins and you keep making money so that's what amazed it i wish i had written amazed because <laughs> it took forever also to it and that ra- was chris and amy's first yeah number right one. that's right yeah um chris Lindsay and amy mayo maybe their first first number one or first cut I'm first not sure. cut i think so yeah. yeah i think so um and that song just took forever and ever and ever to get up and mm-hmm. accumulated all those spins and of course went to number one and stayed at number one and yeah all that so um there is no Arizona. You, did, is that a personal experience? Did you kind of write that from something you knew, or was it just a brainstorm? Um, well, I had the title Sedona written down because I'd been to Sedona and loved it so much. Yeah. And walked into the co-writing appointment, and 
Lisa Drew was like, well, that's weird because I had there is no Arizona written down. This this must be meant to be. And I said, oh, my God, totally. Yeah. Because she'd gotten it from the Dolores Claiborne movie of Stephen King movie. Okay. Yeah. And it was a line in the in that in that film. And um, uh, when I played in Bangor, Maine, I got a signed copy of Dolores Claiborne from Stephen King. It said, Dear Jamie, there really is an Arizona. <laughs> so um, that uh, song, did it, um, how long was it at number one? Was it? Oh, gosh, I really don't know. A I week mean, or two or something? It was, like a, it was definitely, a, definitely a week, and I don't know about if it was two weeks, but it yeah. definitely wasn't an amazed, what was that, number <laughs> nine seven? Nine weeks in a nine row, Nine yeah. weeks, yeah, no, it wasn't that. I mean, who's that. counting on that, who's eight or nine? Right, yeah. No, it was, <laughs> actually, it was eight on one chart and nine on another, so, because yeah. you know how there's Billboard and then um, R&R and all that. Right. So R&R was nine weeks and Billboard was eight, I believe, but anyway, um, <laughs> that, so, um, performing, like, when you go out on stage, you've been doing that all your life, so you literally learned like from birth pretty much how to mm-hmm. perform mm-hmm. um do you how do you find that different than when you're you know in the studio or something like that i know it's totally different and you had to sort of teach yourself as a kid and coming up like that is there something different that you do that you have you know do you just be in yourself when you get up there yeah i feel like i'm just being myself um i just think having performers as parents kind of inspired me it was something that I wanted to do from a young age because I watched them and it felt natural and it just felt like oh my parents are doing this so I'm supposed to do it too yeah and I think this I watched my daughter do the same thing you know like when she was two and a half I think she came out and sang um uh twinkle twinkle little star was her first song and then that went from you know that you are my sunshine and it started like morphing into next thing i know she's doing taylor swift next thing i know she's playing guitar you know now she's writing her own songs by like the age of 11 and you know been doing it ever since and i think that part of her confidence came from watching her parents because my husband plays guitar with me and sings and thinking well, if they can do it, I can too. Yeah. You know, so it's the same. So you're just thing. keeping that thing rolling. So now. Yeah, it's like army brats. You know, they yeah. go into the military too. So. With the, right. With now, what family. is her name again? Aaliyah. Aaliyah. I remember seeing her when she was little, teeny tiny, uh, when I was married to Alyssa. Yeah. And we came to do an interview at your house at the uh-huh. time, and she was so tiny. I think she was not even a year old. I don't think. Probably. Maybe. And maybe. How old's yours old. now? She's 15. She'll be okay. 16 in So you had August. yours after. I can't yeah. remember if it was first or after. And she still lives in Canada? Uh-huh. Yeah. That must be hard. I'm going to go see her in New York City this next weekend. They're oh, great. going there to watch some Broadway plays and stuff like that. So I said, well, I'll meet y'all up there. Oh, yeah. We, were, we just happen to be off this uh, next weekend. So. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So I get to see her for a couple of days at least. But yeah. um, with the pandemic, it's been real tough because of the border crossing. And oh, yeah. I had absolutely. to a couple of times, several, three times, I had to self-quarantine for two weeks with her. And luckily, uh, my ex, Alyssa, she let me stay. You know, we've remained good friends, really good friends through all those years. Oh, that's um, so great. And she let me st- take over her condo for for two weeks while she went and stayed with her parents. So Amelie wow. and I, my daughter and I, could just yeah. kind of chill and self-quarantine for two weeks together that's fantastic that's really cool yeah that yeah they certainly it's made it really hard for a lot of families 
and I've been watching. I watched when your daughter first came on, when I first got on Instagram. That was one of the, I used to follow, I think follow you, and you would have videos or she would have videos up of her singing mm-hmm. and all that. And I think I followed her or something like that. And she would uh, have a song that she had just written or something, and she would She still does it. that. We're putting out music on her finally, but it's been really tough because it's when they're young. They're still figuring out who they are and what they want to do. And a lot of times she would write something and record it and then go, I don't think that's really me, you know, and you'd just be like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Wow. And she's, um, does she got have a record deal or anything now? Or is she no, just she kind doesn't. Of no. Writing and. She wants one really badly. Really? But she's starting at the University of Miami in August. Is she like, Mom, can you not get me a record deal? Hello, don't you know people? <laughs> No, not really. I think she knows what the hard work that it takes to get one, you know. And with her going to college, I think she's super excited about that. So. Yeah. Gosh, I wouldn't and even know. And songwriting and music there at Miami too. Their, yeah. Their program is amazing. So. Are you gonna go she's visit her down there? Oh often. yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yours will go to um, come to the states for college. I hope so. I hope she'll either go to nashville or i mean I, I don't you know i just don't know i don't know if she's going to want to stay in canada or mm-hmm. which it's i guess it would cost less if she went to college up there yeah uh, if she went down here it would be more expensive but you know either way do whatever she wants to do i'm, yeah. I'm good with yeah that's nice. but she's just now going to turn 16 in august and um oh, she's trying to figure it's things gonna out go, it's gonna go fast trust me it goes yeah. by so fast that I just think it, it seems like yesterday Leah was a sophomore. She's graduating. It's yeah. crazy. It's really and she crazy. wants to be a singer. She wants to yeah follow in your footsteps. And mm-hmm. that's awesome. I think yep. she'll do really well. Um, so uh, what else do I want to ask you? Um, so you had your first single was "There Is No Arizona," and the second one was "Angels." Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it? What was the actual what title? What I think about angels. What I think about angels. Yeah, and that yeah. just kept you going and kept you kept you um was there a video for that yep yeah um trey fanjoy directed the video that was the first time i'd worked with her and she was amazing yeah and of course you did the video for frantic i was i was gonna bring that up at some point but i didn't yeah. want to i didn't want to just <laughs> jump in there but yeah i don't know if a lot of people know this but your song frantic uh, you were out on tour with us and mm-hmm. you were opening up for us and we just got to talking one day and you had seen the Lone Star video that I'd shot a bunch of film on and stuff. And I'll never forget the conversation we had was something like, you said, yeah, I saw your video on CMT that you shot, you know, with your Lone Star. And you said something like, or no, I said something like, yeah, I said, somebody in your band should have like a film camera out on the road and shoot, you know, I said yeah. 20 years from now, which is now, uh, 20 years <laughs> from now, you'll be glad you did. Yeah. And you said, well, we have a video camera. And I said, no, no, not a video camera. I said a film camera. And you said, what's the difference? And I said, hmm, well, I can't tell you technically what the difference is. It just looks better. I said, I'll tell you, you what. Show. Let me show you. I'll bring my camera out this next weekend, my film camera, and I'll shoot a little bit of you guys. And I ended up editing into yeah. your song Frantic, which I, I guess you you didn't know you were going to release at the time. Right. Which ended up being your the release. And mm-hmm. I, you saw the film that I'd shot. And of just, I just kind of, there was no performance of it. It was just like B-roll, just the, out on the road, your I band. and you, video. Yeah, and you with your dog, Griffey, and playing with your dog. Oh, yeah, little Griffey. Remember yeah. we rode our scooters around backstage? Yeah, I rode our scooters around. And uh, and so when your guys, I remember when I went to your bus and showed your guys, some of your guys, the some of the footage that I'd shot, and they saw it and they said, oh, my God, that's like 
that's like the real deal. That looks like a like a real video or something like film. And they said, has Jamie seen this? And I said, I don't know. I have. You're the first to see it. And so they opened their flip phone. This shows you how far back we're going here. Yeah. They opened their flip phone and said, Jamie, get down here. Hurry, hurry. You got to see this film. The kid <laughs> shot. So you saw it. And then I remember you asking me, you know, can you? Is it possible for you to keep shooting this? And I'll talk to the label and so forth. And then cut yeah. to. Uh, we only had two weeks touring left to go, so I had to kind of cram a whole bunch of B-roll and performance stuff yeah, and which turned out great yeah the performance of it was on your bus one take of i just cranked your cd on and hit yeah. go on the film camera and the you funny sang it one is, time that's how everyone's doing videos now right yeah right? isn't that crazy this will make you feel old so i saw florida georgia line people who were talking about who their first concert was and those guys said lone star <laughs> jamie o'neill and blake shelton and i was like oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> That's hilarious. I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been Brian. Said that I don't was, remember. We the, like I don't remember in that day those guys at that time. I don't remember. They were. I just still. Well, no, because they would have been like. They would have been fifteen or sixteen yeah, years old. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> so, crazy. No. Wow. And Blake Shelton. Yeah, Blake Shelton ago. was out with us. Yeah, that, that was, was a lot crazy. of fun. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. Yep, we had a good time. Yeah, and um, so yeah, shot. Your frantic video, which is one of my favorite videos of all time that I've yeah. ever done, yeah, because it just has this energy to it, you know, mm-hmm. in the song. And you, I, I was asking you one time about the song, and I said, "Who sang the background vocals on it?" And you said, "I can't remember." You did. That's how bad. My, oh, okay. You said well, you, did. Did. you, you say, said I did. And did I have a special like, guest on there? <laughs> you, you sang all the background vocals. I said because it doesn't sound like you. It sounds. And mm-hmm. you said, "Oh yeah, well I can." I can, I can change my voice. My, well, I've been singing background vocals for years in the studio with pe- different people. And, and then I did jingles, too, where I had to do character voices. So I was used to doing, making myself sound not like me. Oh, wow. So mm-hmm. you're like kind of a chameleon yeah, vocalist. So. Can you yeah. sound like other people if you wanted to? Or you been able to do that? I haven't done that in a long time. I don't know. I don't know if that quality is still there. Yeah, I knew somebody years ago that could say, if she wanted to singing a Reba song, she would sound like Reba. Yeah. If she sang Dolly Parton, she sounded like Dolly Parton. Oh, she wow. was just like that. That's a gift. Had that, I mean, just that, be able to imitate anybody she wanted. Mm-hmm. But um, and That's but then cool. when it came time for her to sing, she sounded like herself, you know, which was pretty amazing. She didn't that sound like anybody. It's awesome. So what's in the future for you? Um, more touring and lots of touring, lots of dates. Thank goodness, right? All yeah. the road stuff is coming back. Um, I'm going on an Alaskan cruise starting this Sunday. Performing so or just per- performing? Yeah. Wow. And playing in Denmark um, in September too. In between all these other shows, so I always with, love going somewhere new. Is that with a band or just um, the cruise? Down? The cruise yeah. is acoustic, and it's my husband and our daughter singing on there, too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so. Does she sing harmony with you? Yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, man. we do a lot of like family harmonies. And then she does a couple songs herself, and yep. you sing harmony on it? Yep. That would be, i got to see that. I yeah, see it's, that. it's really cool. We'll, we'll try to video, okay, when's the videotape cruise? something. Yeah, <laughs> I, there might still be some passenger I'll bring availability. My, I'll bring my Speedo. and uh, we'll, Yep, um, well, you won't need a Speedo in Alaska, not oh, unless right. you like to freeze. Oh, boy, yeah. That would be embarrassing. <laughs> that would be a lot of... Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> Here's Keach and his Speedo, and it's 40 degrees. As if wearing a Speedo is not embarrassing enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, embarrassing all the way around. Um, and then, yeah, so that and playing and recording, and I have a Christmas album coming out this year. So That's cool. Yeah, I'm really and, excited. Uh, did you, one of the cool things I like about doing a Christmas album, we've done a couple of them, is getting these traditional 
Are you doing some traditional songs, mm-hmm. or are they going to be all it's original? It's both. It's yeah. some originals and some... Like, how to make these traditional songs sound like you. you know? Yeah. That's yeah. the fun part. That's yeah, really cool. I think so. We would always pick... We always try to make the songs... We didn't try to make them sound like Lone Star, but we try to make them sound like a style. Like, we would try... Right. This is going to sound like Dwight Yoakam, or this is going to have a kind of a sting feel to it, or this... You know what I mean? We would That's cool. try to make them sound different. You yeah. Know? Choose I'm a, a direction. sting fan. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you're going to work on that... Um, this summer, you said? Because you always got to do a Christmas album in the summer. You do. It takes and, that long and to get it out. It comes out in October, so I think yeah. it has to be turned in in August. Um, so we we want to be finished with it turned in by July. So. Isn't that weird, doing yeah. Christmas songs in July in, yeah. in the summer? It is, yeah. yeah. So um, you're writing for that right now? or it's No, already we've already tracked it. Oh, it's already uh, So we're just finishing up the singing, and then we're going to do backgrounds, and then, you know, of course, the comping, tuning. Yeah. Um, mixing, all that yeah. stuff comes after that. Do you mix, um, you guys, is your husband a mixing engineer or do you send yeah. it off to somebody? No, he mixes it. He's a mixing mix engineer. Yeah. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother career of talent mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. You know, a mixing engineer that yeah. you've got to have the ears and the tools and the yeah, equipment absolutely. to do that. Yeah. That's amazing that he does that. I mean, I don't yeah, know very many really mixing. Good. I know probably three mixing engineers that I've ever known in my life that they do that, you know? Wow. Yeah. And he does that. That's cool. Now I know four. <laughs> yeah, I don't love being around any of that stuff. I like to do what I what I do and then get the heck out. Yeah, like and close I can't the door sit there for hours and hours and hours listening to a kick, a kick drum oh, and the then comping. a snare and yeah, then... the kick and the oh and the steel guitar and all that stuff. It's like no, I can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> cool. Um, what else was I going to ask you? Um, so you are you're going to do the tour, the Alaskan thing, and then it's back to normal touring. And are you going to do it with a band again? Sometimes. Oh, soon? I do band gigs or acoustic. Yeah. Um, I think my next band show is with um, opening for Phil Vassar yeah. on July seventh. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I just and, had him on my podcast last week. Oh yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's awesome. He's so good. Um, so a little bit of both, you know. Yeah. That's and cool. I do like a trio with my husband and another player. Um, and then, like I said, sometimes with my family and sometimes just he and I. And then over the summer, you'll have your daughter touring with you and then she goes to school and yep. you just, and it'll just goes. be back to you. And She's actually coming with me to Denmark. We're going to London and Denmark to do the Nashville Nights Songwriter Festival. Wow. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. In Denmark. Wow. They, is, that a, is there a big country following in Denmark? Yeah. Would you say? Yes. There is. Really, a lot of places in Europe love country music. I know we've been to Norway and Germany and places Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible over there. I'd like to stay for the the whole month if I could. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I'm also doing a trio with um, Carolyn Don Johnson and Anita Cochran. Oh, we're doing a female really cool. trio. So. How does the rehearsal go for that? Last Do you night. guys just throw it together, or is it like a long rehearsal process? With the girls? For yeah, the girls. Um, you know, it's been. We played together for the first time last year, and then we just had such a good time. We're like, we need to do more of these. So we rehearsed again, and then, you know, we were rehearsed um, a couple of weeks ago. I think we've played about five shows together now, and mm. we just decided to try to get some dates as a trio as well as our individual, you know, shows that we do. Yeah. And it's been really fun. When you travel out there, do you, are you do you have a bus? Do you rent a bus, or do you travel kind of scale it's it down? It's all different. Like a, I mean, yeah. there, there's flying, but man, flying is hard mm-hmm. too. You know, like you know how that goes. Um, so I have a couple of bus dates that I've got this year, and then the rest are so far away that you know, like Oregon, Washington yeah. State, 
uh, North Dakota, you know, that kind of thing. So just kind of leave it up to the tour manager to figure that out. Or do yeah, kind for of, those, I'll definitely do yeah. um, fly dates for those. Yeah. Well, man, it's yeah. been so good to talk to you. Oh, and you I appreciate too, you coming Keish. and Aww. spending time with me here at the Band Cave, the infamous Band Cave. That's so fun. I Fighting love traffic place. to get over here. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> yep, definitely. Well, thank well, you again for having me on. Yeah, let's get together and have coffee sometime. Or um, yeah. I'd love to uh, say hey to your husband. And, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, he would love that. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Okay. Catch you out on the road somewhere. All right. See you.